Today we are beginning a brand new collection of messages entitled The Summer of Wisdom. The Summer of Wisdom. And if you have a copy of the scriptures, I'd love for you to join me in Proverbs chapter 1. Proverbs chapter 1. And uh, we're going to be studying this book, the book of Proverbs, kind of all summer long for a few months uh, together. And uh, I believe that God's going to speak some things to us and to our hearts um, and uh, we're, we're going to look at a passage of Scripture today to kind of set the tone and kind of introduce kind of not only the book of Proverbs, but kind of our goal and our aim and our desire for what we want to see God do this summer. How many of you know summer is a great time to take a vacation, but it's not a great time to give up on your relationship with God? Amen. And so we want to, in the summertime, ramp up our devotion to the Lord, ramp up those times because sometimes things start to slow down a little bit for some of us in the summertime. And rather than getting lazy in our love for God, we want to ramp up our passion for God and allow God to really speak some things into our hearts. And so that's my prayer and my desire through this series that we would be able to do that. Have you found Proverbs chapter 1? Proverbs chapter 1, I want to read the first six verses, and I'm going to read them out of the message translation of the Bible, so it's going to sound maybe a little bit different if you have a, a printed copy of Scripture. It might sound a little different than what you have, but we're going to read the first six verses, and then we'll read one more verse a little bit later on in the message, and for those of you that are on the YouVersion Bible app, you'll, you, can, you should be able to follow right along with us in there too. Proverbs chapter 1, starting in verse 1, it says this, these are the wise sayings of Solomon, David's son, Israel's king. Written down, so we'll know how to live well. Why did he write Proverbs? So you would know how to live well. How many of you want to win in life? Come on. I, I've never met anybody that says, no, you know what? I really like to lose at life. I like losing. Losing is good. I want to be broke. I want broken relationships. I want to be depressed. I want to be sad. I want to be lonely. I want life to suck. I've never met anybody who wakes up in the morning and says, yes, today's going to be terrible and I can't wait. No, that's nobody in their right mind. Uh, right? No, we, we, we want to live life well. And that's why Solomon wrote the book of Proverbs. Now, Solomon isn't the only contributor to the book, but he is the main contributor to the book of Proverbs. He, he written down so that we'll know how to live life well and right. In other words, there must be a wrong way to live life. Some of you have figured that one out. You figured out how to live life a little wrong. Today, we want to start a journey of learning how to live life right. And some of us have learned from wisdom. In other words, uh, there, there are two ways to learn about things in life. Two ways. You can learn from wisdom or you can learn from consequence. Only two teachers in life. Which, as parents, it's really important to realize if all you're doing is giving your kids wisdom and they're not learning, maybe it's time they learn from a few consequences. I'm just saying. Now, personally, I prefer to learn from wisdom, inside understanding other people's, I don't mind learning from somebody else's consequence, right? I'm okay with that, but that's called wisdom. I see them, they mess up. Nope, not going to do that, right? We can learn from wisdom or we can learn from consequence, but either way, we want to learn. 
We want to learn. And if you happen to be learning from a consequence, that doesn't mean you're not winning or doing well in life. It just means that you have an opportunity to learn something. And the question is, are you going to learn or are you going to just rinse and repeat? Right? We don't want to do that. So we want to learn how to live well and right to understand what life means and where it's going. This is a manual for living, for learning what's right and just and fair, to teach the inexperienced the ropes, to give our young people a grasp of reality. There's something here also for the seasoned men and women. How many of you would fall? You don't have to admit it, never mind. If you would, some of us are more seasoned than others, right? I get it. I, I thank God for the people who are sages in my life. People who have a little bit more wisdom and some consequence to offer. Because as a church, as a body, if we stop listening to the voices of the mothers and the fathers, then sons and daughters don't know how to become mothers and fathers. And it's important that no matter where we're at in life, we're still seeking wisdom. We're still seeking wisdom. No matter what age or stage you are in, there is more for you to learn and grow in. Amen? And we want to have that heart and that posture. But this is why Solomon wrote the book. There's still a thing or two for the experience to learn, he says. And he says, here's what, there is, here's what it is for everybody. Let me sum it up this way. Fresh wisdom. Fresh wisdom to probe and penetrate the rhymes and reasons of wise men and women. In other words, we don't want to just know what wise people do. We want to know why they do it. Because if you just try and do everything that they do, you'll be a copycat. And what they do might not fit into what you're doing into your way of life, into how God has created and knit you, how he's made you. But if you can learn why they do what they do, you can take that principle and apply it to your own life and see the fruit of that begin to bear out as well. So we're not just going to look at what wise people would do. We want to learn why wise people do what they do. Why do they parent that way? Why do they deal with their money in that way? Why do they set their daily routines to be like this? Why do they put God first? Why do they do the things that they do so that we too can live well? The, Solomon is writing and he's saying this book, this collection of writings and sayings, these proverbs, if you will, this is a manual for living. Now, uh, we have manuals for all sorts of things in life. Uh, I, uh, I, I rummaged through a, a drawer that we have in our house, and uh, it's, a, it's a thick drawer. It's one of those drawers you don't go into <laughs> ever, but you just keep adding stuff to. You know what I'm talking about? That's, we have one of those drawers, and in this particular drawer, we have manuals. So I, I thought I'd bring some of these manuals. We have a, a manual for a Eureka vacuum cleaner right here so that you know how to plug it in, turn it on, and apparently clean it out. I'm not really sure how the latter part works. I don't really ever do that. Uh, I kind of know how to plug it in and turn it on. I'm decent at that. Uh, but, but, so we've got a manual for a Eureka vacuum cleaner. We've got a, we've got a oh man, this one, this one was thick. I thought this was going to be really important. It's a really old plasma TV <laughs> that's been moved down. Actually, it's been moved out. We don't own it anymore. We don't have this plasma TV, but talk, look how thick that is, just about how to take care of a TV, right? A manual for an entire TV. We've got, 
Um, oh, yeah, we've got plenty of these. These hieroglyphic manuals right here <laughs> from this store called Ikea, where they don't write words into their manuals. They just give you pictures. So for you visual learners, this might work out really, really well, right? They'll tell you exactly how to build uh, this particular thing. We've got this sitting in our kitchen still this day. We love that little mini island that uh, probably I cursed a few times while putting together, uh, but God's forgiven me. It's fine. Uh, we have a shark vacuum, a steam cleaner. I got this for my wife a few days ago. They always say never buy your wife for like birthdays and anniversaries. Never buy them household kitchen products, right? My wife breaks that rule. She loves when I buy these kinds of things. Most of the time, she asks for these kinds of things. Not always, but many times. Most times, she's, she's all about it. We've got a manual on how to filter water. Uh, I've got a manual here on uh, a dehumidifier, which is currently helping the humidity in our downstairs area of our house. It's a manual, how to dehumidify. Oh, yeah, this ought to be a good one. It's another one of those hieroglyphic things. Uh, another little chair thing, and extra parts. And so I hate it when they give us this many extra parts because I put it together and I'm like, uh, Alyssa, come sit in this chair real fast, <laughs> right? Like, that's a little, little dangerous, but we've got a manual for that. We've got, a, we've got a manual for a camera, a Nikon camera that I sure is somewhere in my house uh, we've got a, a Samsung HD DVR for DirecTV that we had in North Carolina. Uh, let's see, don't need, we have a ceiling fan manual. We've got a manual in here for all sorts of just wonderful, oh, here's one for a lawnmower engine. I don't know why I need it in case I bring it to somebody else who doesn't know how to fix it because we all know I ain't fixing it. Uh, we've got all sorts of manuals in our lives with every product, with everything that we purchase, comes a manual, right? And the, 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 the real, real kicker is many of us will read those manuals, but we've never once thought there, there would be a manual to help us live our life. One of the most precious gifts God has given to each of us is life. Every day that you wake up, Breathing and alive is a gift from God. If we have manuals for all the little things that we buy in life, don't you think it's a great thing to recognize that there is a manual for living? I feel like it's really important that we understand that it's, it's not just that we trust God when it comes to our death. That's why a lot of people come to church because we're like, well, Life's going to end at some point, and I kind of need some fire insurance. So I kind of need to make sure I'm right with the big guy so that when I expire, I, I know kind of what's going on, and I just cover all my bases, right? Why would we trust God with our death but not be willing to trust him with our life? If we can trust God in our dying, why can't we also trust God in our living? Proverbs is a manual for our lives. It's for living. And so we want to dive into this book to discover how can we live well? How can we do this well? Wisdom, if you're taking notes, write this down. Wisdom helps us live skillful lives. There is a skill necessary to living life well. 
There's a skill. God wants us to have a skill. Have you ever seen someone do something and they weren't skilled at it? Let's take driver's ed for example. Most of you thank God every day that you are not a driver's ed instructor, right? There's a reason they put a sign on top of the car, on the side of the car, on the back of the car, right? They ought to make them all wear like neon orange shirts while they're driving just in case we miss the sign on top of the car. Student driver. Why? They are learning the skill of driving. That's why the instructor has a brake on his side of the car, right? Because they don't have the skill yet. Uh, there's a reason why getting your hair cut at the cosmetology school is cheap. <laughs> because they're still learning the skill, right? It's still a skill being developed. And if they can continue to develop their skill, well, then they can start charging a little bit more. But until that time comes, nobody wants to pay a lot of money for practice, right? Right? So there's a skill necessary for those things. American Idol made its comeback on the TV this year, some way, somehow. And Ryan Seacrest is still hosting it. American Idol, where all of these people feel as if they are skilled at singing, try out, and some of them are okay. Some of them are good. Many of them do not have that skill. And it can be a little painful to watch them try and do something that requires a great amount of skill and have very little skill for that task. It's painful to watch somebody live their life without some skills. People who don't know how to manage and budget money and, man, it's painful to watch People who aren't really skilled at dealing with people who aren't exactly like them, it gets painful to watch them try and interact with people who are different than them because they don't have those skills in that relationship. There are people who are skilled at things and people who are not skilled at things. The good thing about a skill is that it can be learned. It's not innate inside of you. I mean, there are some of us who have certain skills and giftings that God definitely built in there, but those still had to be developed. You don't wake up one day becoming a skilled craftsman. You might be good with tools and kind of get mechanical things straight away, but you didn't wake up becoming a master craftsman, right? That was a skill that you developed. Our kids are doing really good with digital devices and iPads and computers, and they, they can do all sorts of things kind of natural because it's around them all the time, but there's still skills to become an IT professional that they need to develop, right? There are skills in our life, and the good thing about wisdom that helps us live skillfully is that we can gain more wisdom to increase our skills. In other words, if there's an area where you are not skilled, you can put in some work and get better at it. Skills require work. And if we need skills to live life well, then maybe just maybe we need to get a little less lazy when it comes to the areas of our life and start learning to grab some more skills to help us live life better. 
If there is an area in your life where you feel unskilled, where you don't feel like you're living life well, where you're not hitting your full potential, where you're disappointed, where certain things aren't measuring up, or you know there's more to learn, can I encourage you? Lean in during the series. Dig into God's word. Open up the manual. And let's find some of the wisdom that you need so that you can become more skilled in your life. And the interesting thing is that while life requires skills, each season of life requires new skills. When you were a single person, certain skills did just fine, right? Microwave meals probably were okay to live on for a little while. You could get by with just eating ramen noodles as a single guy. But when you start adding in somebody that you want to impress, you're going to have to turn on the food network to learn how to cook something a little bit better to be a little more impressive and to learn a new skill. And then you, you throw kids into the mix, and that requires a whole nother set of skills to live life well. And the danger is that we just assume skills will show up when we need them. You know what happens when you assume, right? No, skills require work. Your spiritual aptitude and your spiritual maturity, your growth in your faith, that's a skill, and it requires some work. Showing up to Sunday, automatically hoping that your spiritual life just takes off, won't work. You have to put in a little bit more to grow spiritually. Why? Every arena of our life needs a skill if we're going to live it well. Every aspect, every season requires a new skill. You know what I love that, that, that Solomon was writing as he was writing this? Because we have a tendency to think, oh, that's a skill for them. That's for them. That's okay. This is for the people who didn't go to college. They need these kinds of skills and they're going to need some wisdom. And man, I've, I've kind of, I work a white collar job and I've kind of got some things together. No, no. In case you missed the description on who this was for, Solomon wanted us to make sure we didn't miss the fact that wisdom is for all of us. Doesn't matter the age, doesn't matter the stage, doesn't matter your background, the demographic, what side of the tracks you came from, how educated or uneducated you feel like you are, wisdom is for you and it's for me. If there is breath in your lungs, you can live life better. There is more for us to learn and grow. What what I also love about wisdom, I love this, is that wisdom doesn't discriminate. There is no discrimination for wisdom. In other words, anybody at any point in time can start opening up the manual of God's word, start going to the source of all wisdom, and start to grow and to develop. I caught this at an early age. My favorite verse growing up as a kid was from Luke 2, I think it's verse 52, where it said, And Jesus grew in wisdom, in stature, that means character, and in favor with God and man. I figured if Jesus at age 12 could grow in wisdom, in his character, and find favor with God and with every other human being, I figured I ought to go after that too. And so even as a young age, I remember I would devote years, every month, every day of the month, I opened up the book of Proverbs and I would read it. And my prayer for my life, I remember as a kid, and I don't say this to kind of like, hey, check this out. I just say it to let you know wisdom doesn't discriminate. 
Because there are some kids upstairs who have grown in wisdom and they know God's word better than many adults that I know. Because wisdom doesn't discriminate. It's a skill that can be learned. It's a skill that can be learned. And wisdom is for us all. You know what I love about wisdom? Um, some of you are sitting there thinking like, oh, yeah, wisdom. I get wisdom. Let me, let me break wisdom down. Let me give you a, a working definition for wisdom. What is wisdom? If it's for all of us, I think we better know what it is so that we know when we've got it. Wouldn't that be good to know when you have wisdom? Let me give you a working definition for wisdom. Wisdom is insight that you've integrated and installed into your life. It's insights Not that you just heard, not that you saw on a poster somewhere, not that you hang up in your house. It is insights that you have integrated into your daily life and have installed it into your heart so that it is written on your heart. And what's written on your heart is what you begin to live out in real life. So wisdom isn't just knowing stuff. Anybody can know stuff. That's called an encyclopedia. Anybody can know stuff. Anybody can have smarts. Anybody can be educated. Anybody can have knowledge and understanding. That doesn't mean it's wisdom. Wisdom shows up when you take that knowledge, when you take that understanding, when you take those insights and you actually install them into your life and integrate it into your daily living. In other words... You could be hearing great wisdom, great insight, great truth every single Sunday. But if you never install it into your heart and apply it to your daily life, you're not growing. You're going to stay the same. Your faith is going to stay the same. Your belief is going to stay the same. Your life isn't going to start changing. You're not going to see those things show up in your life. Why? Because you never installed, integrated, and began to apply it to your life. Wisdom is indeed insight. But not just insight alone, no, it's insight that you integrate and install into your life. Isn't that helpful? Wisdom gives us kind of like the ability to discern and act according to God's desires. It it helps us. Let let, let me show you what I mean. Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7. Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7, it says this. Start with God. Step one. Start with God. The first step in learning is bowing down to God. Only fools thumb their nose at such wisdom and learning. One version says, and this is probably where many of you have heard it if you've grown up in church at all, uh, you would have heard it said like this, that the beginning of wisdom is the fear of God. In other words, the beginning of learning wisdom, the beginning of starting to live life well, it all starts with having fear of God. Here's what I want you to get. If you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. Start with God. Start with God, not separate from God. If you want to live life, if you want to win at life, if you want to live life well, you need to start with God, not against God. Some of you, you've been living your life independent from God. Today is the day for you to say no more independence from God. I'm going to bow and I'm going to integrate God into my life. I'm going to allow him to come in 
to my life. You've never given your life to Jesus. If you've never surrendered and said, Jesus, you be the Lord, you be the one in my life. If you've never done that, today is the day you can start with God. It's not about starting against God. It's not starting alongside God. No, it's starting with God, not against him, not isolated on your own, not separate from him. Well, I give God some on Sunday and the rest of my life goes Monday through Saturday. That's how I live. No, 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 no. They're not segregated. They're not separated. No, start your entire life. Take your normal, everyday, walking around, eating, sleeping, drinking, moving, going to movies, watching TV, going to work. Your normal life needs to start with God. Not just your spiritual life, because whether you realize it or not, all of your life is spiritual. And when we try to segregate out our spiritual from our normal Life gets messier. The Bible doesn't make sense because we're trying to live compartmentalized. We're trying to straddle two sides of a fence. And that's painful. Start with God. Start with God. What I love is Solomon is writing and he is known as the smartest man to ever live the earth. Historians would even say he's, he's got to be one of the wisest, and not only the wisest, check this out, he became the wealthiest. No one in our era in living in life has ever come close to the wealth accumulated by Solomon, nor the wisdom gained from Solomon. The problem is that eventually Solomon quit following his own advice. And he started believing his own press. And he started integrating things into his life that didn't begin with God. And it became his ruin in the end. But he still wrote some of the greatest things for us. Solomon had seen many people who had lived their life who didn't start with God. And he saw what their life looked like. Dissected it, learned from it, did a case study of their life and said, nope. Here's the deal. There's a lot of smart people, but people who live life well start with God. People who want to live life in a way where they're progressing, where they're moving forward, where they're overcoming adversity. Not that adversity doesn't come, but they know how to overcome the adversity. People who know how to overcome the, the, the things that have set them back in life. People that get knocked down but know how to stand right back up. I've watched and I've seen and I've looked, Solomon says, and they all start with God. Why? Because wisdom begins where we end. Wisdom begins when I end and God starts. Paul wrote it like this in the New Testament. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I that live, but it is Christ who lives in me. And this life I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who gave himself up for me. Paul wrote and he said, listen, I've ended. I decided to start with God. And when I started with God, life began to take off. Life began to take off. Why? Because we have to start with God. Start with God. Now, I told you that most versions have some phrasing that says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. That we just read. The fear of the Lord. Now, I don't want you to get caught up on the fear of the Lord. Because you might be sitting there thinking, I need to be afraid of God. 
like I thought God was loving and kind and uh, why do I need to be afraid of God? I mean, I mean, I know he's powerful, but like, should I like always like, oh, dear God, d- d- don't kill me today. And there's a lot of people who don't want to show up to church because they're afraid that a lightning bolt is going to strike them because of what they did last Saturday and the Saturdays before that. And they're like, no, I ain't coming. I ain't coming. No, not getting me in that church. I ain't going to show up and die. No, 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 no. I ain't doing it because we think that God is somebody to be feared. And he is, but he isn't. Here's what that word really, really means, that word fear. Fear God. Fearing God is the beginning of wisdom. What what does that mean? Here's what it means. It means that we honor and live with an element of awe at God. When I think of the word fear God, you know what I really think of? That one word, boil it down to one word, here it is, honor. Fearing God is to honor God, to live in a way that says, man, oh, he's, he's holy, he's to be honored, he's to be revered, he's to be feared, he's to just, oh, man, honor, honor, honor. When he walks in the room, I want to stand up and honor him, right? When, when, when he starts to speak, I want to shut up and I want to listen. Why? Because I want to honor him. If, if he says to do something, I want to I want to do it because my obedience shows honor. It's not I'm afraid he's going to get mad at me if I don't do it. And if I didn't pray enough today, it's all going to go downhill. And all of a sudden something breaks in my house and I think, oh, must have sinned somewhere. God's punishing me. No, 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 no. You're getting it wrong. Honor is to say, God, I'm pointed at you. My posture is towards you. I want to honor you. Honor really means that we start with a God-first perspective. Honor towards God is when we start and live with a God-first perspective. Can you say that? God-first perspective. If you want to live life well and find wisdom, you need to start with a God-first perspective. That's not natural, by the way. Right? We naturally live with a me-first perspective. Just watch any toddler around who doesn't know how to share their toys. Why? Because toys are mine, mine, mine. No, that's mine, mine. No, no, mine, no, 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 mine. Right? Like, they live with a me-first perspective. We are born with a me-first proclivity. And God is saying, if you want to live life well, you start with God, meaning you start with a God-first perspective. You start with a God-first perspective. Honor is when we give our best and our first. Honor, starting with God and having an honor towards God. Honoring God is when we make a decision, we're going to pray first before we make a decision first. I'm going to pray first before I fear first. I'm going to pray first before I worry. I'm going to pray first before I post. I'm going to pray before I make a phone call. I'm going to pray first. What does it mean to live a life where it says no matter what the day looks like, no matter what comes your way at the beginning of the day, end of the day, throughout the day, I'm going to pray first. Before I make a decision, I'm going to pray first. Before I send a text message, I'm going to pray first. Before I go grocery shopping, I am going to pray first. Right before I go to Walmart, I am praying first, I'm praying second, I'm praying third, and when I get to that one aisle, I'm praying there too, right? Like, I'm going to pray first. Pray first. When you pray first, you're God first. 
yeah, but, but, but I mean, God doesn't really care about those things. Oh, on the contrary. Jesus said it himself that if God cares about birds in the air enough to make sure they have food, and if he cares enough about lilies that grow in a field to be majestic and beautiful, why wouldn't God care more about you? And whether you eat and drink and have food and your clothing, why, why wouldn't God care? No, no, God cares about you that much. So we pray first. We give God our first and we give God our best. We, we not only pray first, honoring God means we give first. Before we take anything, we look to give first. Here at Faith Church, we want to lead the way in joyful generosity and faith-filled stewardship in every arena of our life. I just want to be a giver. I want to give first. I want to give first. I want not only want to give first, but I want to give my first and my best. That's honor. That's honor. I don't want to give God my leftovers. I don't want to show up on Sunday Stand behind the chair, the band starts playing, and I'm a little tired from Saturday, too tired to give God my first and my best. Oh, it just got real, real. I know, I'm sorry. I ain't even started talking about money yet. Every arena of your life, what does it look like to give first? Give first, give first, give first. We pray first, we give first, we live with an others first perspective. I'm gonna put your needs before I put my needs. That's honor. That's honor. And when we do that to one another, that honors God even more. You want your marriage to get better? Start putting the other person first. Put them first. Before you fix your breakfast, find out what they want. Before you get your coffee, get their coffee right? Others first. Others first. Before you fill your car up with gas, fill their car up with gas. Before you sit down and watch something you want to watch on TV, fellas, sit down and see if there's something she wants to watch on TV, and then get your phone and find something else to watch. <clears throat> I'm kidding. Don't do that. It doesn't always end well. You want to start living life better in every arena? Put God first. Be God first. God first means I pray first. I give first. I'm others first. And when you live that direction, it shows honor to God. It is reverence. It is attention. And it's adoration all pointed to God. All of those things sum and add up to being honored to God. And if you want to live God first, you start with a God first perspective. If, it's going, if you want wisdom, if you want to live life better, you got to start with God. How do you start with God? Honor. 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 But, but there's something that has to precede honor. Honor is really the second thing that you do. You want to know what the first thing is that you need to do? It's called humility. It's called humility. Because if you don't have humility, you cannot show honor. Sometimes people say that humility is, is not thinking of yourself. Well, somebody gives you a compliment. No, no, that's not true. That's lying. That's a false sense of humility. Humility, I think it was C.S. Lewis that said it this way. Humility isn't thinking less of yourself. It's just thinking of yourself less.
I'm just going to think of myself less, less often. Humility deals with the posture of our heart. There are some people who will never live a life well. They will never live a skillful life for God because they refuse to do it God's way. When you are hard-headed, it leads to having a hard heart. If you are naturally a stubborn person, you have a hard time being humble before God. When was the last time you repented before God? When was the last time you got on your knees in worship and prayer before God? When was the last time you put God's desires and his life above your own? Humility says, honor says, my heart and my life honor you, God. I'm God first. Humility starts with your heart. And if your heart is not humble, God resists you to begin with. The Bible says God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. If you want to live life well, you got to start with God. Honor, but before honor comes humility. Humility is the moment where we say, God, not my will. Not my ability, not my agenda, not my priorities, not my opinions, yours. Yours. Humility is allowing our hearts to be broken before God. And if your heart has not been broken before God, you're still being boneheaded. You will make boneheaded decisions without a broken heart because you will do things without the life of God in you. Why? Because you're doing it in your own ability, your own strength, your own effort, your own ways. That's not God first. If you want to live life well, start with God. Humility and honor is how we start with God. Humility develops a hunger within you. Humility develops this hunger within you. It says in scripture that we hunger and we thirst for righteousness. Jesus said that. Hunger and I thirst for righteousness, for right living. There's great humility in wanting to live right, but not right in your own eyes. No, no, not your own eyes, not your own wisdom, not your own efforts, not your own priorities, God's. You want to see your business begin to be blessed? Humble yourself before God and begin to honor God with your business and watch the rest start taking off. You want to have God first in your family and you want to have less strife in your family? Start honoring God. Start with God with your family. How are you honoring God as a family? How are you living with humility in front of your family? This applies to every arena of our life. If we will start with God, we will start living life right. You want to develop skills for living? Starts with God. Starts with God. If you find yourself in a place where you feel unskilled in an arena of your life, start with God. 
I would encourage all of you. We mentioned it at the top of the service. But as a church, we want to read through the book of Proverbs this month. And we're going to read through it again next month. And then we're going to read through it again the month following. Why? Because there's so much in here, you're not going to get it the first pass. We want to start with God. I want to encourage you, open up the Bible, go to Proverbs. Today's June 3rd, so Proverbs 3, and read Proverbs 3 today. One chapter a day to start developing a new skill. Put God first. Start with God. You might not spend a lot of time in the Bible first thing in the morning, but what if your first thought in the morning before your feet hit the ground was, God, today you're first. And then you went about your morning and your time and you knew when you were going to get in the Word, but what if the first words out of your mouth were, good morning, Holy Spirit. Let's live today well. What does it look like to start first? To start first. If we find ourselves feeling unskilled, where where we don't feel like we've got what it takes or we're missing something or we're struggling or there's tension in an area of our life, you need to go back and see if you've started with God in that area. See if something is out of order, something's out of whack, something's out of priority and check to see if you started with God in that area. And if you haven't, change. Start. Start. Just start. It's not going to be perfect. It's not going to be, it may be pretty. It may not even feel comfortable. Start anyways. I don't know how to pray. How do I pray first? I don't even know. Just If you can talk in a sentence, you can talk to God. If you can utter three words, you can talk to God. God's not looking for poetry and prose. He's looking for a posture of humility that gives him honor. And that helps you start with God. Solomon started with God too. He was just about to be king. And he was overwhelmed because he was following his dad, David who was the greatest king to ever live. And he was coming up alongside and Solomon was there and he's like, I I don't know what to do. I've got this kingdom and stuff and we've won a lot of wars and like we're gonna build a temple and all these things are happening. And Solomon was overwhelmed with the state of his life. And he prayed. He started seeking God. He started with God and God showed up, met him in that moment. And said, Solomon, you're seeking me. You're starting with me. What can I do for you? God came and made Solomon a promise. Ask anything you want, Solomon, and I'll do it. He just became king. What would you ask for? You know what Solomon asked for? He didn't ask for more wisdom. Or excuse me, he didn't ask for more wealth. He didn't ask for more horses and a stronger army. He didn't ask to build a wall so all the bad people stayed out and only good people stayed. He didn't ask none of that. You know what he asked for? God, give me wisdom so that I can rule your people well. Hear the humility. Hear the honor in that prayer. He started with God. You know what God did? Bam, made him the wisest person ever to live. And as a result, every arena of life started to line up until he stopped putting God first. What do you have to lose? What do you have to lose? You don't have anything to lose. 
why not start with God? Why not? All you have are skills to live life well ahead of you to gain. Will you bow your heads, close your eyes? Maybe you're here today and you're, you know you've never surrendered your heart to Jesus. You've never asked him to come in and be the Lord of your life. You know you're living your life just for you, not even for him. And today you want to make God first and you want to invite him into your life. If that's you, would you just slip a hand up in the air so we can pray for you? Say, I want to put God first. I, he's not, and I want him there. Thank you for those hands. Thank you. Saying yes to Jesus. I want to give my life to Jesus. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Church, can we pray this prayer all together? Everybody together at one time praying this. Say, Father God, we surrender to you. We believe in Jesus, that he is your son, that you sent to die for us. He died on the cross. He was buried in a tomb. And three days later, he got up from the grave. I put my faith my trust, my hope, my life, and my priorities in you. Save me. Make me new in Jesus' name. Friends, can you stand? Let me pray for us all together as we close out this, our service. Father, today, Lord, we believe we've heard your word. We know you're speaking and you're working. Help us start with you this week. Help us to start with you. Help us to honor you and to live with humility. And in so doing, develop skills to live life well. I just speak blessing over your people today. And I ask, Lord, that you would move in us and in our lives. We thank you for it. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray.